Hey everyone, it's producer Mason. So, this episode ran pretty long, and we had a lot to say, and we couldn't quite fit it in to a regular-sized episode. So, we've cut this episode in half. That second half will be coming out on Friday at 7 a.m., usual time that this comes out. I, I want to give my apologies that I couldn't get this out as one. It just, it was too big, man. I couldn't handle it. <laughs> but um, thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners, to another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in southern Illinois is a man who also rejected a call-up to the Polish national team like Gaga Salina. It is Producer Mason. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, I was too bummed out after watching uh, that second, the second period of that Blues game. I just, I, I wasn't feeling it. I have to uh, <laughs> take some personal time. Not only that, uh, you were kind of shocked to find out you even had any Polish ancestry. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and also joining us from uh, his studio cave somewhere in the wilds of St. Louis County is a man who's delighted that his blistering rant last week was heard in Kansas City. It's Sean Campbell. How are you doing this week, Sean? Oh, I'm doing just fantastic. Just Just peachy. Over here in the cave. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should remain well-preserved as a peach in the cave. Nice temperatures for that. <laughs> Submerged in his own pectin. <laughs> this isn't even a big show this week. We're calling it El Gordo. It's fat with analysis and lots of information for you. But first of all, uh, public service announcement. Uh, here at Soccer Capital Podcast, we are switching... Uh, this week to a new podcast host. So if any of you out there have had trouble on your usual outlets, podcatchers that uh, you find the show, please uh, email us at soccercapital at gmail.com or hit us on a, a DM on uh, Twitter uh, and let us know and we'll try to rectify that right away. We should have most of that covered, I believe, but we can fix it if we miss something. And before we start with the city... St. Louis City SC news and uh, some thoughts on the team. First of all, we wanted to address uh, some things that have been going on, not just in uh, St. Louis in the region, but also worldwide. It's the subject of what has become just abhorrent fan behavior. Uh, starts off with the notification today came out on Twitter. St. Louis Scott Gallagher had to... Uh, suspend a player who had put on social media something that was, uh, you know, uncalled for. And, uh, you know, you wanna, uh, what's your thoughts, Sean and Mason? Uh, this had to do with the uh, player for uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, um, it was uh, a player for uh, the Scott uh, St. Louis Scott Gallagher Academy was one of several people who had sent death threats uh islamophobia to nazim kadri after um 
after the last couple of games against the Avalanche, which especially after he collided with the uh, with Bennington, yeah, the goalkeeper, yeah, goalie, um, and I just it's <laughs> it's simply unacceptable. Uh, the level of co- like the hate that Kadri has gotten, like I don't like him either, but what was being directed his way is simply unacceptable and to come out of like an academy kid is bewildering (laughs) but it's not just about the kid it's just he was not he was one of many many examples yeah of this type of behavior and i think i speak for many st louis city supporters not necessarily affiliated with any supporters group but to have season tickets in the supporters section, you know, we really, that's sort of the antithesis of uh, what the idea is of being a supporter of, uh, of this soccer club or any soccer club for any, for the way of thinking it. Anti-immigration stances. I mean, look at the city two team. You, even the two most experienced players have uh, backgrounds that aren't that are internationally based, as well as a lot of international players. In this game, there just isn't any space for that. And also, I mean, like, this is a kid. Like, these are not really his opinions, you know? <laughs> yeah, he had to learn it somewhere. But really, don't don't want to focus on the kid. It's more to bring up what's been going on. I mean, we saw it in Manchester City. They won the title. Uh so they go after and accost the uh, opposing goalkeeper after they lost. Why? Why would you do that? Why don't you just celebrate a win? We had Everton fans when they stayed up, invaded the pitch beforehand, then did it again, and got in physical confrontation with the coach Patrick Vieira to the point to where he had to kick out and try to protect himself until other Everton supporters, probably dismayed by the actions of their, uh, you know, mates in the stands, Surrounded him and escorted him off the pitch. It's happening every week now. It's just unacceptable behavior. And if, heaven forbid, somebody out there listening is one of those types of people, either control yourselves or just, I think I speak for a lot of supporters. We just don't want you at the games. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes down to it, you're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to react in a nature that is emotional to any sort of action in a game or of any sport but when you start threatening actual players with actual bodily harm any sort of you know slur of any kind it becomes unacceptable behavior and it needs to not happen or you just not to need to not be involved or you know in the case of like man city and everton actually committing violence <laughs> And uh, what it comes down to is you don't have the right to do this because you purchased a ticket, no matter how much it costs. That's just the market value placed upon those. And the players themselves, it comes down to a thought I think a lot of people have, that athletes are mere machines, not actually human beings. They are human beings. Uh, They are performing for you on grand stages, Uh, uh, you know, when it comes to top-level professional sports. And the actions that they do on the field is attempt to win a game. It's not who they are. So if you're directing actual hate at someone because of what you see on the field, it's just as damn silly as directing hate towards an individual actor because of the part they play in a movie or TV show. Which 
does happen and is absolutely ludicrous. And absolutely inexcusable. Yeah. Inexcusable. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. The it, it, It's just a game gets thrown around a lot to dismiss sports in general. But like, it's just a game, man. Calm down. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully since comes into the world. But uh, just wanted to make sure that we put our stance out. Because we've created this platform for ourselves and uh, try to use it for good, sometimes for bad, but only if it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so on with the show. We've got a lot of uh, things to talk about for St. Louis City, some actual news, some that we've just come up with. Uh, but first of all, uh, the MLS Next Pro team, the development team, City 2, had a match this weekend at uh, Ralph Cordy Stadium on the campus of SIUE, uh, the child campus of uh, SIUC, where I, I'm an alumnus of. Uh, and they took on Portland Timbers 2, T2, and had a good game. And to tell us all about it is producer Mason. Yeah, so, yeah, over on the other side of the river, uh, City 2 takes on T2. And wins three to one. Really set the pace early. Vitor Diaz scored on a pretty hectic play, but in like the second minute, um, we're up one nil. Yeah, he got a pass from Juan Cusan into the box, and I described it as dribble, 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 dink, goal. <laughs> he pretty much <laughs> Diaz did it all himself. Yeah, I think um, I think it got like listed as an assist from Juan Cusan on the MLS Next Pro site, but I'm pretty sure it was officially scored as unassisted because it kind of was. <laughs> he had, yeah, Diaz he had, did it all himself. Yeah, he had like, like he recovered his rebound like three or four times before he finally put it in. <laughs> um, But then I, the first half, we had some chances, but it was just a lot of the usual, what we kind of expect. The heavy press not allowing Vancouver, or Tim, uh, Portland Timbers out of their, out of their zone. Um, and, uh, we once again are having the discussion of, about possession and it's like, you know, T2 has all the possession, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, look at what they're doing with it. <laughs> the press is working. Yeah. City two, uh, applied a lot of pressure had a lot of shots and a lot, a lot of shots, a lot of shots on goal. But, uh, after the goal, there wasn't that many actual shots that seemed to trouble their goalkeeper who was quite good. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, actually, some of them were some really good looks on players making a run, but the pass was just out of reach were some of the best looks in the first half. But so after a after a really strong first half, we go into halftime up one nil. We come out for the second half and we get off to a hot start again. Josh Doling gets another one in the 49th. Uh, this one was an absolute poacher goal. It was, I don't remember exactly who shot it. It might have been Diaz, um, but it gets saved and spilled and it's just sitting right there. Doling is right there in the right spot, pokes it home, and we are up 2-0. Uh, absolute sitter. <laughs> it, I could I could have made that goal. <laughs> or if you were alert enough and prepared to make a shot if it happened to bounce in front of you. That's often overlooked on those kind of goals. Yeah. But then... Uh, we almost go up 3-0 on a free kick um, from right outside the box. Tough shot, typically. 
um, and Max Schneider takes it. And this was a great shot. He hits the crossbar and it goes it's it goes out. He was really close to a bar down goal right there. Fantastic shot. And a tough one, too, because just outside the box. So it takes a lot of uh, skill Mm -hmm. to get that up and over. And he almost did it. It was quite a great free kick. It was really close. Um, But that was a fantastic look. Um, but then we do up go we do go up three nil a little bit later and with Dolan getting a brace. Um, yeah, that was just a, a good corner ball and he gets it in. And that gives um, Doling five goals on the season, all of them coming in the last three games. He's been on fire. And he's uh climbing up the charts for MLS Next Pro, isn't he? Yeah. That now puts him tied for third. Uh, on the uh, the MLS Next Pro goal leaders. Um, there are two players tied for first, and then he is among, I believe, four or five players that are tied for tied for third there. And actually, speaking of goal leaders, Juan Cousin is also tied for third in the league with assists. And I believe this puts St. Louis City, I don't have the standings in front of me, but I believe they're fourth in their actual division, and climbing the charts overall, but they also have uh, games in hand over those above them because of uh, their participation in U.S. Open Cup, which a lot of the other teams didn't because their parent clubs uh, took that to a role in U.S. Open Cup. So they're performing quite well, and they should, as they're generally older and with more experience and a lot of players being groomed for possible first team inclusion next season. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't re- I don't have the uh the standings in front of me either, but I do know when we looked before the uh the T2 game, we were yeah, around 4th in the division with at least two games in hand on everyone ahead of us. So, yeah, City 2 is looking pretty good in the standings. Um but anyway, to wrap up the uh the game, uh fairly late in the in the second half, um I think around the 70 72nd minute-ish, somewhere around there. Um T2 gets in and they score on one of only a few like defensive lapses from City 2 and one of their few shots in the game to be honest. Yeah. Um but they are able to get one past uh, McGrath, McGrain, McGrain, yeah, um, who was starting his first game for City Two. Um, but they sneak one past him. It wasn't a quite garbage time goal, but it ended up being one because we came right back out and put the pressure on him again. They did not have another good look after that. So. In McGrain's defense, he had like nothing to do the whole game until then, and then you know the man gets unmarked has a close-in header, and he's kind of left at uh, flailing at it in that case. Uh, Coach John uh, Hackworth will not be pleased at, again, giving up a late goal. Uh, Has been happening a lot lately, especially after he makes substitutions on that. Another thing, watching on the City app, uh, the post-game pressure, uh, Presser, his his interview after after the game, Coach uh, Hackworth I'm talking of. I had noticed this, but apparently he shaved his beard doesn't look anything like himself. (laughs) 
And uh, when's the next match? When are we next going to see City 2? Next game is going to be this coming weekend, Sunday the 29th, against San Jose Earthquakes 2. We are going back to the Missouri side of the river one last time. It's going to be the last game played at home at Herman. And I believe right now we are planning to attend. Uh, we are. At, uh, at least uh, producer Mason and myself. And we'll be crossing the river. See, it can be done. <laughs> uh, though actually playing at uh, SLU is about the same distance as for us to get to SIUE. Travel times aren't ex- uh, cut down by staying across the river. You know, come on people <laughs> i mean in fair for like, the rest of the season you could certainly drive over to edwardsville in fairness like we're making jokes about it but from what i could tell um considering that all the stands were underneath the camera um it looked like there was a good turnout uh the uh the drum corps and the supporter section certainly sounded good on the broadcast much better than they have in herman where we've been stuck on the other side far away um and uh Saw a picture from Matt Baker, ubiquitous Matt Baker, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, turnout looked pretty decent. So I am glad to see that a lot of people did make the trip. Yep, and we're looking forward to it. A uh, lot of home games so far for City too. Uh, look for them this summer to be on the road more uh, as we go along, and uh, that's what we got for uh, City Two. If you are interested, coming out the slew. We will also be attending the tailgate that's in the garage uh, there at Olive Street in Compton on the third level, not the top level. Uh, the St. Luligans are hosting it, but expect to see a lot of the supporters groups there, as often is the case, as it's all-inclusive and really for supporters. A chance to come out, mingle, everybody's a friend, look forward to seeing you all. As long as gas prices don't go up exorbitantly high between now and the weekend yeah (laughs) any action from the academy this weekend mason no (laughs) they were scheduled weren't they (laughs) uh yeah so there was um there was uh scheduled the last game of the u16 season was scheduled to be against uh st louis scott gallagher but that was canceled due to inclement weather and we don't have a makeup date for it yet um, so that is the last game in the U16 schedule. The U17s are already done. Um, and playoffs, playoffs are upcoming. Playoffs, yeah. Um, uh, actually, even looking at the standings, I don't know if City Two could be knocked down. Uh, Not to City where, Two, the or, Academy. Yeah, the Academy, the U16s could be knocked out of uh, out of playoff contention. But um, pending the result from the Scott Gallagher game. Uh, the U16s are in position to make it to the MLS Next Cup playoffs. The U17s already clinched their berth by winning their group in MLS Next Flex. So both of our academy groups are, at the moment, slated to head off to play in the playoffs. Playoffs? Playoffs! And congratulations to both. It's uh, really quite an astounding uh, ability for an academy uh, without a parent club actually being active. Uh, what a fortuitous turn of events for St. Louis City SC to have an academy up and running, a development squad up and running so far in advance of the first team. Yeah. Uh, it's an opportunity that's not often given 
And uh, while it makes us wait an extra year for them to start play, they should start off. They should start off in great stead. Yeah, my only worry with this is that a lot that any of the guys that are coming over this summer, uh, it, they they'll get the experience playing in the in the continent. But is that going to transfer over to the MLS pro, like the actual MLS league versus playing against? lower level teams effectively minor league teams uh rep with possible teammates reps ahead of time can only help as long as they don't hate each other uh (laughs) the ability for the ones that are already signed coming over uh the four or five that are uh, assigned so well in advance the ability for them to get settled get perhaps a place to live get more accustomed to you know the language, where they can eat, uh, things of that nature, that should be a huge help uh, for the first team club, in my opinion. Yeah, I could definitely see that being a, a, a net positive. But I mean, I've just seen too many players in other other sports and even in this sport where they perform very well in that developmental league and then they get up and then st- they just can't transfer the skill level difference. They can't make that jump. And I... Uh, that's the only worry. I'm not saying it's a big worry or really worth my time, you yeah. know, worrying about it. But it's that thought's just in the back of my head. I hear you. I have sort of the same fears. Uh, been exemplified by teams that have, you know, transitioned from USL up to MLS, especially recently noted by the uh, Minnesota United FC and Cincinnati FC that were too reliant on their USL players and did not perform well. Uh, will City become a little too enamored with their academy and development kids? Uh, will that paint too much of their feelings when they go to build the first team roster in MLS? It's a valid, valid concern. And I hope it doesn't play out as we as we fear. Yeah. No, it's absolutely valid. It's just like we are still too far out to even make any credible speculation on it because right now we only know of four like first team players. Um, it's that is nowhere near a uh, a fieldable roster. So there's a lot of spots still to be filled and a lot of money to spend. Yep. And uh, it's getting time of the year to really start uh, thinking about what that roster is going to look like for St. Louis City. Way too early, but we've got some information. Uh, first of all, excitement news. Centene Stadium, the pitch is fully in. As Kermit the Frog said, it's not easy being green, but I have to say that green on the field really looks nice in the photos of the stadium. It's looking beautiful. Other things, the Euro season for the European signings that we already have, have uh, their seasons have ended. Uh, most of these players, as per transfermarket.us, their contracts are officially up July 1st, so that's when they'll officially become city players. Uh, the ones that uh, are already we know of is Roman Berkey, the goalkeeper from uh, Borussia Dortmund, Jao Klaus, forward, been on loan, Thomas Ostrak from uh, Korn, attacking uh, midfielder that... Uh, Really didn't play much for the first team. And uh, Selmio Pedro coming in from... Where's he coming in from? The Cyprian, Cyprian League? or is No, he's the, coming in from Sarajevo. 
Oh, the Ser- uh, the Bosnian League. That's it. My bad. I knew that. And uh, my understanding, actually, because I think that there hasn't been like complete clarification on this. My understanding is that we signed Pedro and then sent him back to Sarajevo on loan. So his his loan contract is expiring. So he would actually, if that's the case, he'd actually be signed to a developmental contract, an MLS Next Pro, rather than an MLS contract, because team's not in MLS yet. But going off of transfer market, that's what it looks like. That's my understanding. So that's four signings already for a city with experience, some of them very experienced. Total acquisition fees are $3.52 million, and that's entirely for Jao Klaus, uh, the incoming striker. Uh, these are, that includes the acquisition fees, not their actual salaries to apply towards salary cap, though Klaus's will be on a prorated basis added to his compensation hit to the salary cap. The reported acquisition of Joachim Nielsen uh, coming out of contract with Armenia Bielefeld as of July 1st has not been officially announced. Who knows what's going on? If it's just a matter of tying up the contract, if he has other suitors that he's playing against, I know there's concerns about uh, making his national team for the World Cup. And is there a possibility because of that that a six-month loan uh, is in the works and being negotiated as well? So we'll just have to wait and see until he's officially announced. Now, got a lot of thoughts on those who are the acquisitions, just the Jao Klaus transfer fee coming in. We don't have any word on salaries. Regular listeners to this show will note that uh, we mentioned last week that the MLS Players Association did their annual dropping of salary figures for MLS players. That happened last Tuesday, right before we recorded. And as usual, we're recording this show on a Tuesday afternoon. And uh, really didn't have time to look into it too much last week, uh, but uh, have looked a little bit more into it. But instead of breaking down what it means for MLS as a whole, decided to focus on thoughts and projections for what it might mean for St. Louis City SC when the numbers get announced a year from now and City is included in those figures. Now, note that this is going to be about player pay and uh, not the usual information released about their acquisition cost, which is... uh, transfer fees, and even uh, the spending on GAM, general allocation money, to make a within-the-league trade. The big thing to remember here, though, is uh, usually if you're going to see someone get a high high fee, a transfer fee, um, or any sort of allocation money thrown at them, they're probably going to end up having a bigger salary to go along with that in addition to having the GAM. Yeah. And because my understanding is that MLS has a a hard salary cap, but um, among other things, allocation money is one of the mechanisms you can use to kind of circumvent it. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Between the general allocation money, TAM, things that can be used to bring down a uh, player's salary, There'll be a bucket of $9.83 million uh, for a total roster spend 
in 2023. Uh, my understanding, though, some of the 2023 member, uh, numbers could be affected, though it's in the collective bargaining agreement. I think these numbers will be fairly firm. Designated players, young designated players, uh, the young money, the under-22 initiative, uh, and homegrown players have little or no impact towards the salary cap. Uh, they're adjusted uh, designated, full designated players, the salaries that they pl- uh, pay, they get, uh, I believe they get charged $1.65 million. Anything above that uh, is just, you know, money out of pocket. There's differing scales for other players as well. And uh, certain salaries can be dropped with TAM and GAM and things like that. Yeah, these are... Uh... Because a DP designation basically changes the amount of a player's salary that hits the cap, right? It adjusts it, their cap right. Hit. They can spend more uh, above that, uh, but that's just how much is applied towards the salary cap. And um, an- another note on another one of those buckets going back to GAM, uh, keep in mind that the expansion team, as an expansion team, we're going to get more of that going into our first season, and that is tradable for other things. Um, so it's it's not just, you know, we can use that game, that extra game we're getting to, you know, buy down a player's contract or, or whatever, um, buy them away from a team. We can s- use that game to get, uh, we can use that for draft slots. We can use that to incentivize hey we won't pick from your you know from your team during the expansion draft which we can't trade those slots around but we could say we'll give you some gam you know or or give us some of that and we won't pick from you or you know vice versa throw some gam someone's way so that we can get the player that we really want from them there's a lot you can do with that it's a pretty flexible bucket quite flexible and uh, also gam as charlotte did quite a- extensively uh, when they were building their roster, they trade their gamma away for international slots so they can sign more international players. Uh, and uh, teams might also use the expansion draft, as you said, either on draft day or later, uh, to draft certain players or from the super draft, from the college players, uh, pick those players and then trade them for more gam to have more flexibility in their spending. It gets quite convoluted, but any NFL fans will know how that can kind of work, especially when it comes to drafts. Yeah, it just so happens that the uh, the sports that I follow the most outside of soccer are the ones that don't do this very much. <laughs> if you get drafted in uh, in MLB or the NHL, you pretty much just get shoved into the minor leagues. <laughs> uh, for the most part, uh, MLS Next Pro gives another mechanism to get players and put them under development or reserve contracts and get them more playing time. Uh, That adds even more complications to this. Uh, One thing that the salary information does show is the teams uh, that make big, big splashes on their DPs, both in transfers and in salaries, uh, oftentimes do so for PR reasons, uh, or to be, and they end up being very top-heavy. And... uh, a lot of times those that make those kind of decisions on who the players would be for the full DPs are not getting the anywhere near the value for their spin out of that. Yeah, because if you put too much money into one player, you can't spend anything 
to try to you can't spend nearly as much to try to build a good team around it around that player you again you put too much money in that one player you can't bring other players that are actually going to support them you're literally just spending minimum to try to get players to put on the field and you're not going to go very far with that yeah and this is especially a problem because dp slots so much so often go to forwards or in particular strikers that if you really overspend on a dp and they are not a do-it-yourself guy which strikers typically are not um well, then you're not going to get the performance you expect out of them because you've got replacement level guys basically on supporting them and they're just not getting the service they need. Yeah, and also if you're not a huge spending owner, which there aren't that many in MLS, you can look at LAFC or Atlanta or promises made by David Tepper at uh, Charlotte, which haven't been fulfilled. Uh, You've got limited resources on how much the owner wants to splash out on salaries and whatnot. And that kind of limits as well. Got a feeling that City SC is not going to be one of those deep-pocketed owners, though I don't think they're going to be playing on the cheap either. Uh, And that just hurts the resources of the club overall as well. Money that the owner might spend on uh, the academy or other development, or on other parts of the roster. And unfortunately, the DP cap, which in 2023 will be 1.65, uh, 1000000 million, 1.65, 1 million, uh, is arbitrary. It is set at 12% of the salary cap. And there's no, it just was a number they came up with the start and never changed. That means three full DPs will take a hit of 36% of how much salaries you have. Just uh, one of the crazy things that goes on in MLS that they just aren't addressing so far. Yeah, because not even, uh, sorry, but like not even to talk about these actual players' salary, that wipes out nearly 40% of your your cap just uh, just is taken off the board. I was just going to ask um that that's that 1.6641 million or whatever it is now um that's just what the cap hit is for each dp right that's not that's not what they're getting paid yes. because they can get paid above that because they're in that dp slot that's just the designated amount that's hitting the cap yeah my understanding and is- every other my understanding is that their salaries are infinite <laughs> but then every other yeah. player's salary like their full salary hits the full cap Yes, unless they are one of those other like prorated categories like young DP or under 22 or homegrown. <laughs> yeah, a pretty simple way to to fix MLS spending is and, and give more freedom is to lower that amount of the cap hit for a designated player. You just lower it down to something a little less ridiculous in the total amount of spin and you'll have more money to spend on midfield and defense. I mean, I've got an idea right off the bat. Um, it's already close. Just round it down to one million <laughs> to start. <laughs> yeah, it's it's arbitrary. Uh, now, certain teams that are spending a fair amount in salaries, like Seattle and NYCFC, who are holding the two biggest uh, current silverware that a team in MLS can hold. Uh, they have been able to hit on their DPs, they don't overspend, and that allows them to spend pretty deep into their rosters. Both of them have done a very good job of that, and they're winning. 
There's something to be said there. This is an idea that we are going to come back to a lot, but City as a smaller market team uh, is going to have to be a lot more uh, frugal, I guess, in the way that they spend. Because um, we aren't, I don't think, going to really have the, the deep pockets that Seattle has, or certainly not that NYCFC has. But we, I think... I guess like the strategy going forward is going to try and be to spend deep into rosters like they do, right? Yeah, it sure seems to be that. Uh, sporting director uh, Lutz Finansteel has been pretty adamant that he's not going to sign DP signings at a huge price just to make headlines. And I mean, with with our area being the original soccer capital of the of the country. <laughs> reference there i may i I mentioned the the podcast name in the podcast look at me go good brand uh but with st louis being the effective original soccer capital of this country we we kind of have a a a unique finger on the pulse of of the market in the area um and a and not, not so much abroad but in in within the surrounding area of st louis um and so that gives the team a unique uh perspective into you know, how you can go out and find and spend not as much money, but still find players to fit the philosophy that he wants to play from top to bottom. And you can really start by getting those guys into the academy early and then building them up a little bit easier than, say, you know, just going out and finding the budget guys to fill in that philosophy. Yeah. And especially because homegrown players have that kind of cap exemption thing. If you can buy their homegrown rights, put them in your academy and build them up, well, hey, there's another way around that. Aaron Hurd? Does, does that name ring a bell for anybody? <laughs> yep. And also, not having to make a big splash in the media. Also, look at how many deposits were put down for season tickets and the anxiety over getting season tickets. Ticket gate. There's a, there's a captured audience here. They don't have to overplay in the media to gain attention to the squad in St. Louis. That's a big deal. Yeah. Um so this is all a very roundabout way of saying don't expect uh don't expect City to sign uh Lionel Messi anytime soon. <laughs> no. D- don't expect that. Though if they could Well, if he comes to MLS, he's going to Miami anyway. That's already been rumored, yeah, so <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Don't see him going to Columbus. <laughs> It'd be really funny if he did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jossie, we're we're just getting rid of you so we can go out and get, you know, one of the best attacking players to ever play the game. You know, no no harm, no hard feelings. Yeah, right? I was going to say no hard feelings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so basically we have, you know, we're not going to spend much, right? I, it, it's it's going to be, you know, spending spending on better players instead of spending a lot. Yeah, uh, traditionally. Expansion teams end up at the lower end of the scale simply because you don't want to overcommit. Uh, Atlanta, LAFC, and not even LAFC, but Atlanta kind of spent, but they did go nuts. They did that later. Uh, so I would expect St. Louis City on the report to come out the lower end uh, to mid-level. I certainly don't expect them to be in the bottom five, though just starting out a team could land you in that Uh as you build a roster and try to fit all those players in without having any carryover. Right. But that, that figure could also be, uh, especially for a new team like this, it could be a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, misleading, deceptive, deceptive was the word I'm looking for. 
Um, because especially with, with the way that Lutz has talked and the way we've heard from him and from the other people around the team about these, you know, and seen, actually seen and experienced in the way he's gone about acquiring these players. We're not spending a lot of money in GAM and transfer fees to get these players. He's getting them at the end of their contract and bringing them in without having to pay transfer fees. So that that would also, I, I think that gets factored into your yearly spend. Um, and I mean, he's definitely been shown that he can go out and get basically whoever he needs. And he's going to, he's already, again, he's already shown that he's been very frugal and clever in the way that he's acquired them without having to show that extra spend. Yeah, frugal is a good word. Not cheap, frugal. Uh, now, this doesn't mean he won't spend big on a particular player. If he spots someone that really fits the system, coaches like them, the due diligence shows the player can adapt to the new league, uh, has leadership qualities, uh, is young enough and can really has a high motor, I believe Lutz will do what it takes to get that player, you know, within reason. Yeah. Uh, that's part of being frugal. Yeah, I, like, you know, not to put the cart before the horse here, but, um, you know, you can look at Klaus's transfer fee, you know, dropping three, $3.5 million on him. That's, you know, that's not an insignificant sum of money. <laughs> um, he will he will go out and he will spend to get players that he likes, um, shown that he's not afraid of that, but he will also go and pick up players that he trusts and he thinks are going to work in his system, you know, if you can get them on like freeze or whatever, like Berkey and Ostrak. Yeah. And plus with the striker and, you know, this is a personal uh, favorite of Lutz's with a track record of scoring and doing what's needed within the system. Uh, that's an acceptable transfer fee. Yeah. Um, but I, Sean already talked about this. It's, a, I think that a lot of uh, being smart about spending is going to be getting home runs, right? Yeah, scouting. Yeah, it's scouting more generally because it's it's also going to be kind of what Lutz has done to get the the guys that he has already. It's going out using his network, um, you know, and also getting our scouts and sending them out and finding players who are good but maybe a little underrated or flying under the radar at the moment yeah, and they, scooping them up. They did announce one scout, uh, European-based. Lutz has uh, extensive contacts within Germany, especially in some of Europe. He talked upon the City Voice podcast, the official uh, team podcast, uh, about how much he's on the phone checking in for availability and background checks on players. Uh, but in MLS, often finding players that make a big impact comes from South and Central America. So their ability to scout in those areas is, despite all the signings, some MLS teams are very good at. Others are not quite as, you know, built out in that way. And it kind of shows, uh, like, the under-22 initiative is a good way of mitigating your salary spend as, you know, developing players generally come in for a low cost. Uh, but the whole world right now is looking to get young players bring them in and then hoping they hoping that they hit and can sell them on for a substantial profit. Now, unfortunately with young players, uh, they don't always hit and MLS just doesn't have, uh, the ability to make up that money. 
and uh, got some feelings on the U-22 initiative that uh, share a little later in the show. Rant incoming. <laughs> it will be. But yeah, like um, doing a lot of horse analogies, but not to beat the horse too much. Um, <laughs> uh, it, you know, it, especially like for younger players, the transfer market is the stock market, right? It's a more legitimized gambling. You're You're really hoping that you can pick someone up for cheap they'll develop into a superstar and then you can sell them on for, for big money. Yeah. But like professional gamblers will do, they'll do their research. They'll hedge their bets. Um, this, you try to do that. It doesn't always work. I think as any trader or gambler could tell you. (laughs) Yeah. But so with city, the only thing that we really know is Klaus's transfer fee. The other guys are coming over on freeze. So I don't know. Uh, Let's let's speculate. <laughs> let's speculate on salaries. <laughs> Freebase it. Yeah, as when it comes to salaries, we know virtually nothing. What they were po- paid overseas and what they'll be paying and in, in getting in salaries in MLS isn't always a one to one, you know, correlation. Uh, Klaus was out on loan. Uh, He's got that $3.53 million transfer fee. That puts him in DP territory alone. He's a striker, uh, but he doesn't have a, you know, he's not guaranteed to be a success in MLS. My guess, and pure speculation on all this, but my guess is his salary will show up somewhere between the $1 to $2 million a year range. And maybe even on the low end of that. I mean, they wouldn't mark him as a DP if they weren't going to pay him at least the DP cap hit, right? So, uh, generally, uh, you know, if you're going to be that, it comes with certain expectations. That number could be a little higher, but I really don't expect it to be much higher than two million, and maybe not even that high. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't have this information in front of me. I don't know if either of you guys know it off the top of your heads. Um, or you looked it up, that would be smart. <laughs> um, but, uh, what is like, cause, uh, what is the maximum salary for like a non DP player? Cause, uh, that's the 1.651 million. Um, actually, pull the, I actually just went to pull this up just to make sure we had the actual stat. Um, so as per, I don't know how, how much I trust this website, but it is from en.as.com. It says that the maximum a non-DP can earn in a single season is $612,500. Okay. And this is as of February of this year. Still doesn't make a lot of sense to me to sign someone in a DP slot and then not pay them at least the DP cap hit. But you could, I guess, theoretically. Yeah. Uh, Between that figure and uh, the DP is be brought down with Tam, which applies. Klaus is a DP just off his transfer fee alone, prorated through his contract. Uh, There could be some creative accounting to bring that down, uh, but he could be bought down at Tam as well. But, uh, you know, that'll still be what his... He'll show up on the list. I do expect him to be over... Uh, the TAM limit, uh, perhaps, but overall his salary should be approaching, if not over a million dollars in TAM. 
Thomas Ostrak is coming in with, uh, you know, he's highly rated. Uh, he's well thought of as a young player. He pretty much got stuck on the bench with Kong. So I'm expecting a salary somewhere around the TAM level, the 600, uh, let's round it down, $650,000. Uh, just to get him to come over because he probably had some suitors. Though, in some cases, uh, don't know what was promised, but uh, just to get playing time, they'll take a salary hit, especially in MLS with eyes of transfers over to Europe for better money. Uh, they'll take that salary hit, come over and get exposure if they're not playing. And that applies to Roman Berkey. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have in front of me what he was paid with uh, Borussia Dortmund, but it's certainly not going to come over to MLS, I do not feel, because he could have gotten more money by taking a backup role, including even for Bayern Munich, but that's not what he wanted. He still wanted to play. He wanted a starting role. Pretty sure that's been guaranteed unless he just flat loses it. So I expect him to come in over that 651000 and be bought down on TAM. I would put him probably in the Christian Roldan range of his salary being somewhere around Eight hundred to nine hundred thousand, which is what Christian Roldan's getting. Uh, that's a lot for a goalkeeper for an expansion team. Uh, but I think that's what it takes to get something like this. Is that an overspend on the part of the club? There's a lot of observers that say yes, but we'll see how it plays. Having a bad goalkeeper is terrible. Having a good goalkeeper. Uh, will help you if your defense isn't stout. If you got a stout defense, you can get by with anyone. A pass, well, a passable one. <laughs> if uh, you're, if your goalkeeper, I would, I would much. If your goalkeeper's really bad, no amount of defense is really going to help you there. <laughs> I was going to say I'd rather hedge my bet and slightly overspend on a keeper who's proven to be a really good keeper in case your defense doesn't pan out the way you thought, and then you know the keeper will keep you in games more often, but. I'd really rather not underspend on a keeper and have them totally flop and just have faith that your defense can keep all the goals out because you still need a keeper that's worth something. And if you get a veteran keeper with high-end champion, you know, UEFA Champions League experience, you're getting someone that you know knows how to organize uh, a defense around him, you would think. Uh, uh Borussia Dortmund fans might say the last few years of their defense has been pretty abject, uh, but that's what you think you're getting. Someone that knows uh, how to work it and get the most out of his defense, and that's very much the part of a goalkeeper's job. As for Samir Pedro, relatively unknown from a, a lower level league, I'm expecting him to come in probably around the senior roster spot minimum which in 2023 will be 85,444. Uh, Josh Yarrow has MLS experience. He's the captain of the team uh, to get him to come into city. He's already captaining, you know, the development team. Uh, I'm expecting him to be more than the minimum. I'm expecting him to be around a hundred and hundred thousand dollars, 150,000. Even if he stays in MLS Next Pro, which I don't expect, 
but there's no spending cap in MLS Next Pro. And uh, if he's agreed to this, a chance to move up, I expect him to be on a little higher salary, to be honest. We're into, like, proper speculation now, though, because... He's been sort of... The rumor's been that he's got a a contract uh, that might be MLS, may not. But there's an expectation yeah, I uh, mean, with him. <laughs> any of you who are listening who have talked to me about, about rosters at a... At games, you know that I am also on board with this rumor uh, that Yara will probably play on get some playing time on the first team. But I on the show, I feel like we need to at least state that this is just a rumor and there's nothing at all official, really. About Unless it. I miss something, which is possible. But I don't know about y'all, but I would I would totally be OK with him uh, earn, being on MLS roster spot. And still staying down in MLS Next Pro because you have to have a certain number of players under those pro contracts that are actually top first team contracts on the field at all times. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of those guys and they just have him stay and captain that squad. And I mean, if we absolutely have to pull him as like an emergency call up because, you know, the SKC injury bug decides to travel down I-70, then uh, we absolutely will pull him up in a heartbeat. But I have, I personally think it'd be great to have someone with MLS experience on a pro contract getting paid pro money to get these kids pro level ready I think, as their leader. I think uh, he has expectations that he'll have a shot. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Uh, he'll have a real shot at making the first team. Yeah. I, in the I'm first pre- season. I'm pretty sure that a lot of that is like kind of the basis of the rumor, right? That he'll that he'll at least be eligible, if not actually get playing time with the first team, right? Yeah. And Waku Zane, with his experience, I think uh, could be under the uh, reserve minimum, which will be $67,360. I wouldn't be surprised if he's under that, unless he earns a, a senior, which will put him in the 87000 I don't expect him to make much more than those minimums, to be honest, but I could be wrong. This is pure speculation. Joaquin Nielsen. He's got other suitors. He's out of contract. He's got concerns about making his international squad for the World Cup. Uh, Is there a loan involved, which will affect his salary, uh, depending upon how much gets charged, how much the other team is paying. Uh, But if he does come in as a veteran cornerback, which is a premium in MLS, also to get him away from other suitors, I would really expect his salary um, to be fairly up there. Uh, not DP level, but probably high TAM. Uh, so uh, well over a million uh, dollars is my expectation. Uh, that might seem a little high. It could be more in the uh, 800000 900000 But to get this one landed, it might take more salary. And uh, spending allocation money to get him in. But a veteran-proven cornerback, uh, excuse me, center back in uh, MLS is so key to success. So key. Oh, 100%. You got you got to have someone on that back line who can work with the keeper really well in, in organizing and steadying that back line, having that veteran presence, whether it comes from MLS or not, to be able to, if someone does let someone slip by, you know they can come in and say, all right, I got this, and clear it out. And then, you know, settle everyone back down and get them back in their, you know, in the right headset. 
Um, but one of the one of the better one of the cheaper ways, or I guess better, f- more frugal ways to do that would be really cashing in on some qu- top quality, actually MLS proven veterans. And Lutz has definitely shown a desire to want to go do that. We just haven't seen that quite yet. But I would expect completely to see some MLS, uh, some absolute veterans that, you know, home, home. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, household names coming through in the rumor mill when it comes closer to, especially expansion draft, um, or transfer windows to try to steal them away. So we have a very solid core of MLS veterans to mix with these great European players coming in. It sure worked for Nashville in stealing Walker Zimmerman from LAFC. They paid a pretty price in their allocation money, but it's been well worth it to the point to where he's been made a DP now and getting paid a lot more than he did in the past, as he should have been. Uh, Yeah, MLS veterans, who knows? Who knows what you're paying for? Uh. Does Josh Yarrow count as an MLS veteran? He didn't really have a successful career. Not really what we're talking about here. If they don't uh, secure Nielsen, then the market for a, uh, a center back, you know, doesn't even have to be as good as Walker Zimmerman, but finding one and paying for them, uh, they'll salary will be fairly high, uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, dollars at least plus eating up a lot of your allocation money just to secure the rights to that player uh, via MLS. There's also the expansion draft. Uh, Generally, you're not going to pay a lot of players to come out of that too much money. Though, as, who was it, the Houston Dynamo? Austin. Who was it they signed, or they got in the expansion draft, couldn't come to terms because the Dynamo... (laughs) Offered him more in salary, and he took that. Uh, so you got to be prepared. Uh, you know, free agents, salary-wise, doesn't know. Uh, reports are uh, Albert Rusnak had took a significant cut in salary uh, to sign on with uh, Seattle because he wanted to win trophies. Now he already won perhaps the biggest one he can win with Seattle. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Some players are willing to take that pay cut to be playing for absolute contenders year in, year out. Some players are like, hey, who's going to give me the most money just to make playing time? Um, And then, of course, you have the players that literally are just, who's going to give me the biggest paycheck? I don't care if I ride the pine or not. But that all is going to come down to the player. And, I mean, it shouldn't go unstated that um, there are also going to be, you know, potentially some players on on the free agent market who are interested in working for a first-year club and and building something here, too. That's what a lot of, like, the front office staff has said. It happens. Yes, it does. Uh, especially now, is that the type of player, generally they tend to be more veteran, is that the type Lutz is going to go after? Uh, that's a question. Yeah. I guess it depends upon who that player is. Yeah, and also, like, I, I, I completely understand that that was not going to be, like, high on the list of a lot of players' priorities, but there are some players for whom that could be important. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. To to have the ability to, like, I'm, I'm thinking more so that's going to be your journeyman players who hop around, play for a team for a year and a half, and then get transferred out midseason. They 
stay 18 months there and they hop around or they never really stayed in one place for too long. But if they can get a realistic shot at being a core player somewhere, that might really appeal to some guys. Yeah. And also we throw journeymen around a lot, almost pejoratively. Journeymen players can be really good. They just don't stick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one another a key example is Tim Melia. He was a a pool goalkeeper. Basically, uh, it's very much akin to the emergency backup goalie in hockey. Um, we took Sporting KC took a chance on him because they were their their number one keeper had gone down to injury, and that season he went on to be effectively the keeper of the year, and he's been absolute stonewall and back for us ever since. Another one to look at is uh, Kellen Rowe with Seattle can play so many different positions and lock it down if they need him to. And they get a lot of play out of him for his money as he just slots in where they need him. That's uh, more utility than journeyman, though. Yeah. But he's also a journeyman. He's been with a lot of teams. He's got a lot of veteran experience. He fits that mold. Uh, Raheem Edwards, uh, you know, also fits into that for LAFC, having a very good season so far. Uh, one big... Uh, not talked about uh, sort of secret in MLS is how many players are in a bad situation that doesn't fit them, that if they could be picked up or a trade made, could blossom. Uh, one who I want to look at is Jeremy Abobasi. Uh Finally got out of Portland where he's misused, gets to San Jose, and uh, all of a sudden finds himself uh, you know, being talked about getting back into the national team and having a very good season even for San Jose, which has not historically been a very good team recently. <laughs> oh, they've been very recently. They've been very good since yeah, they it, fired the coach. In very recent history, yeah. they've been good. But <laughs> uh, Lutz has said he wants young, hungry players. Uh, generally, such players come fairly cheap when it comes to salaries, also for acquisition acquisition costs as well. Uh, you know, one lunch pail guy, a guy who's going to come down, nail it down, you know. Uh, you know, you're not, not a team player. Well, we want a team players, blue collar guy, lunch pail guy, gritty, gutty <laughs> players. Uh, and you expect those to be not a big salary hit, uh, young DPs and U22s, if utilized correctly, can give you a punch and not take a big salary hit. Still a little out of pocket, but, uh, against the salary cap doesn't really count. Uh, generally, you expect them to be their young players unproven, not on high salaries, but sign that way. You expect them to be around a million or a little less. Tan buy downs. Uh, they haven't really panned out with as a bucket in MLS so far. Uh, full DPs, what do you expect there? Well, I mean, we've got two slots to fill, and who knows who could go there. Um I, it it could be anybody because technically you could spend as much as you want on them, but kind of like we said, um, there is like there is a realistic cap of how much ownership wants to spend. Um, so like I said, we're not expecting them to go out and get Messi or, God forbid, Ronaldo. Don't want him on the team. Have to defend his play or not his play, his personal life. But, um. <laughs> Uh, you know, I heard Luis Suarez is in the market to come to MLS. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't want to bite her either. I don't want to bite her either. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I haven't really got any players in mind. I'm just, especially this kind of first like first year roster. I'm just gonna kind of let it 
happen. It, it, I'm, I'm taking the uh, the John Boyce approach where I let sports happen to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any particular players in mind, but if they uncover, say, a playmaker, a number 10, uh, historically, especially coming out of South America, you get one of those, you get a chance to do it, you splash some cash, you get them. Another one is if you have a destroyer type of um, defensive midfielder in the mold of Diego Chara or Tyler Adams, you you go get them if you can. And uh, that's where you need to hold on. That's why teams will hold on to their DP slots when they come into the league is they you, you, generally those come with long-term contracts that lock you in. That's why you got to hit. And if you don't think this guy's perfect, you just don't fill that slot because the next window or the following window after that, that slot could open up and give you a boost. Plus, you want to see if you get some player that's viable coming out of, you know, the MLS veterans and the other roster build mechanisms out there that you don't have to spend all that money. You can save it for those holes in your roster that you find that you really need. And oftentimes that becomes a goal scorer, whether it's your striker whether it's a uh, attacking midfielder, often on the wing, those can be hard to find that actually perform at the level. Uh, that's where I would expect DP money to be spent. And then the sky's the limit. Depends upon what it takes to take them. Yeah, but like a valuable point there is we just kind of assume that all the DP spots, spots will be filled. They don't have to be. No, that's why I was saying they don't have to be. Well, I do know of a of someone who who may or may not be wanting away from their club who could be an absolute killer on the wing if we could just get him off the golf course. No, <laughs> um, he may or may not play for he may or may not play for a country who uh, has a dragon on their flag, <laughs> um. <laughs> who might possibly be paying against uh, the U.S. men's national team in the World Cup. I think uh, yeah. when Lutz says he doesn't want sort of players, I think he's talking of, first of all, Gonzalo Higuain, particularly, though Higuain has been better since he got benched. See if that lasts. I think he's also thinking of Gareth Bale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I 100% agree with you, but a fan can dream, right? Like, that's that's one thing that is... It's a little bit more unique to soccer fans that you have your favorite team and you have your favorite player and they're not necessarily on the same team, but you can always dream of, oh man, if only my favorite player came to my favorite club. And, you know, in a situation like this, I think there's plenty of fans out there that are that listener or not that have a favorite player overseas or in the league right now that they would just love to see in the, in the city red and blue, but I'm not sure it's going to happen, but a fan can dream. Yeah, and he's signing for a lot of money, and he gets clattered into, and he's hurt for the next six weeks all the time. No, no thanks. Hey, that only happened at Tottenham. That only (laughs) happened at Tottenham. (laughs) I think he still got game, but no, no, pass. Tottenham, which happens to be another one of your favorite clubs. I'm starting to notice a pattern here. <laughs> yeah, they, they. Yeah. So why? I think of I think of my favorite clubs. Sporting's the only one that's actually won hardware outside of the Blues. <laughs> but with any regularity, it's it's been Sporting. Yeah. Uh, speaking of silverware, my Sunderland uh, picked up more silverware this year. Uh, getting out of League One. Uh, American Lyndon Gooch has now the last two seasons walked the stairs at Wembley to be awarded a trophy, one for the 
what was it called? The Papa John's Cup, the EFL Cup trophy last year, and then this year winning the League One champion playoff championship. Uh, not a very many Americans have walked the stairs at Wembley to pick up a trophy and a medal. The, and he's done it with Sunderland. The Papa John's Cup, the trophy that says slurs inside the case. Yeah, it's it's got stuffed crust around the top. <laughs> oh, no. The poor Carabao Cup. Not even the Carabao. We're talking the EFL Cup. I thought those were the same cup. No, Carabao's for everyone. This is just limited to League One and below. Oh, okay. The one that I never had to pay attention to because my team's never been relegated in my lifetime. The championship okay, could be in it, but I'm not sure. It's British. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> this is an anti-Britain podcast. <laughs> so to wrap this up, why should we care about the salary spend? Well, where they come in on the uh, total outlay of the ownership and how much is spent on salaries could reflect uh, the first-year ambitions for the club. Uh, for Lutz, perhaps more than transfer fees, I expect it to really show, as I expect him to find efficiencies in the marketplace, but sometimes to secure them and get them to sign the bottom line if they're outside of MLS will take perhaps a little more cash, uh, which is histor uh, historically true in MLS. Looking at you, Lorenzo Insigne, uh, but, uh, if he's wanting young, hungry players, it, that may not apply. We just don't know, but our job is to speculate and we've spent a lot of time doing so here today. And actually it's been kind of a fun adventure to look into all this. In conclusion, St. Louis city SC is a land of contrast. Thank you. Yeah. And overall, when the, uh, when, uh, MLS nerd day, the dropping of the salaries happen a year from now. I expect St. Louis City to be above the bottom five, uh, but not very high. So a low mid-tier level. It's my expectations. Uh, keep in mind, after we talk about this, where they land on that list doesn't really apply. Late additions that come in, as always seems to happen uh, for MLS teams and sometimes for expansion teams, they don't often make the list. But that kind of wraps up our thoughts on not just salaries, but also our kind of our expectations of how they'll build the roster going forward. Uh, so I hope that helps everyone. And of course, comments are uh, welcome. Good point of a discussion on uh, Twitter and in social media out there. Anything else you guys want to add? The big speculation episode. It's what we do. Ah, yes, we have our title. <laughs> Love to do punditry. It's a raison d'etre. <laughs> Silly analysis and pure speculation. That's what we're here for. New tagline, folks. Welcome to MLS contract speculation, where <laughs> the money's made up by Garber and none of it matters. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about all I got. All right, we'll come back. We got still have international U.S. teams to talk about. Big news there. And a little bit of MLS roundup. But first, we're going to take a break. How many times have we told you to, that we're taking a break and then come back in 15 seconds? This time we're leaving for a few days. I really hope that you do take a break. <laughs> but I do that, hope that you join us on Friday for part two of this episode. This was a really good one. So I, I hope that you like it. And thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>